Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Genocide. That is a word which should be used sparingly, always. There are many horrors and atrocities committed throughout history which are hideous enough on their own terms without constituting genocide. Now, in my own view, when there are those who are specialists and experts in the field of genocide, when they start warning about genocide, then I believe the very least you can do is to sit up, listen, urgently, because of the obvious stakes involved. Now, this brings me to Craig Mockheber. Now, he is the director of the New York office of the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights. At least he was, because on 28th of October, he wrote to the UN High Commissioner in Geneva, Volker Turk, and in that letter, he wrote, this will be my last communication to you. That's because he resigned. Let me just read what he wrote, and please do listen carefully. I write at a moment of great anguish for the world, including for many of our colleagues. Once again, we are seeing a genocide unfolding before our eyes and the organisation that we serve appears powerless to stop it. As someone who has investigated human rights in Palestine since the 1980s, lived in Gaza as a human rights advisor in the 1990s and carried out several human rights missions in the country before and since, this is deeply personal to me. I also worked in these halls through the genocides against the Tutsis, Bosnian Muslims, the Yazidi and the Rohingya. In each case, when the dust settled, on the horrors that had been perpetrated against defenseless civilian populations, it became painfully clear that we had failed in our duty to meet the imperatives of prevention of mass atrocities, of protection of the vulnerable and, and accountability for perpetrators. And so it has been with successive waves of murder and persecution against the Palestinians throughout the entire life of the UN. High Commissioner, we are failing again. As a human rights lawyer, with more than three decades of experience in the field, I know well that the concept of genocide has been subject to political abuse, but the current wholesale slaughter of the Palestinian people, rooted in an ethno-nationalist settler colonial ideology, in continuation of decades of their systematic persecution and purging, based entirely upon their status as Arabs, and coupled with the explicit statements of intent by leaders in the Israeli government and military, leaves no doubt, no room for doubt or debate. In Gaza, civilian homes, schools, Churches, mosques and medical institutions are wantonly attacked as thousands of civilians are massacred. In the West Bank, including occupied Jerusalem, homes are seized and reassigned based entirely on race and violent settler pogroms are accompanied by Israeli military units. Across the land, apartheid rules. This is a textbook case of genocide. The European ethnic nationalist Ethno-nationalist settler colonial project in Palestine has entered its final phase towards the expedited destruction of the last remnants of the indigenous Palestinian life in Palestine. What's more, the governments of the United States, the United Kingdom and much of Europe are wholly complicit in this horrific assault. Not only are these governments refusing to meet their treaty obligations to ensure respect for the Geneva Conventions, but they are in fact actively arming the assault, providing economic and intelligence support and giving political and diplomatic cover for Israel's atrocities. He goes on about how the media itself is in open breach of Article 20 of the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. That's, this says, any advocacy of national, racial or religious hatred that constitutes incitement to discrimination, hostility or violence shall be prohibited by law. 
He links this to how the media continually dehumanise Palestinians to facilitate the genocide. He refers to how human rights defenders and opponents of atrocities are being harassed and silenced. Listen to him. You can listen to what he said. You can listen to his logic, his working out. And he is far from alone. On the 19th of October, the United Nations published on their web website a press release headed Gaza. UN experts decry bombing of hospitals and schools as crimes against humanity and call for prevention of genocide. They say, we are sounding the alarm. There is an ongoing campaign by Israel resulting in crimes against humanity in Gaza. Considering statements made by Israeli political leaders and their allies, accompanied by military action in Gaza and escalation of arrests and killing in the West Bank, there is also a risk of genocide against the Palestine people. Who are these experts? The UN special reporters, or variously, the human rights to safe drinking water and sanitation, on the situation of human rights in the Palestinian territories, on violence against women and girls, on internally displaced persons, on the right to food, on the right of everyone to the enjoyment of the highest attainable standard of physical and mental health on adequate housing. In other words, many of the special rapporteurs specialising in the very basics of human existence. Now, in The Guardian last week, an article headlined Israel must stop weaponising the Holocaust provoked widespread denunciation from cheerleaders of Israel's horrific assault. It was dismissed as offensive to Jewish people by many. Now, as it happens, Raz Segal is not only Jewish, he's an Israeli historian whose life work is dedicated to the study of the Holocaust. He wrote, A powerful state with powerful allies and a powerful army engaged in a retaliatory attack against stateless Palestinians under Israeli settler colonial rule, military occupation and siege is thus portrayed as powerless Jews in a struggle against Nazis. The historical context in no way justifies or excuses the mass murder of 1,500 Israelis on 7th of October, which constitutes a war crime and crimes against humanity. Quite right. He analyses rhetoric of Israeli politicians and officials. He refers to the Israeli Defence Minister, Yov Gallant, saying, Gaza will not return to what it was before, we will eliminate everything. Nissan Vatori, a member of the Israeli parliament for the ruling Likud party, to take another example, called for erasing the Gaza Strip from the face of the earth. He cited strikingly a statement of more than 800 scholars of international law, conflict studies and Holocaust and genocide studies, who wrote on the 15th of October, and let's be frank, so much has happened since then. We are compelled to sound the alarm against the possibility of the crime of genocide being perpetrated by Israeli forces against Palestinians in the Gaza Strip. We do not do so lightly, recognising the weight of this crime, but the gravity of the current situation demands it. Scholars whose work has shaped the field of Holocaust and genocide studies, as is noted, such as Omar um, Bartoff and Marion Kaplan, signed this statement. Now take the journalist Chris McGreal. He covered the, the genocide, the genocide in Rwanda, and spoke of the parallels, looking at the language where Tutsis were debased as cockroaches, a word also invoked by a then chief of the Israeli Defence Forces to describe Palestinians. He, he notes other Israeli political, military and religious leaders who describe Palestinians variously as a cancer vermin and call for them to be annihilated. He cites the President of Israel, Isaac Herzog, who set the tone um, by saying, it's an entire nation out there that is responsible. The rhetoric about civilians not aware, not involved is absolutely not true. They could have risen up. They could have fought against that evil regime. This is, of course, the logic of collective punishment and collective guilt, which leads or can lead, or at least is a prerequisite for genocide. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
he notes uh, the defence minister, Jov Gallant, demanding a ordering, sorry, a complete siege with no electricity, no food, no fuel. Everything is closed on the basis we are fighting human animals and we are acting accordingly. Uh, he refers, for example, to a prominent Israeli journalist and radio presenter, David Miserey Verthai. He says we need a disproportionate response. If all the captives are not returned immediately, turn the strip into a slaughterhouse. If a hair falls from their head, execute security prisoners. Violate any norm on the way to victory. We know that Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister, has cited Amalek in the Bible, which calls for the slaughter of women, babies, children and animals. We know all the rhetoric. How about officials demanding um, uh, Gaza is reduced to a city of tents where no buildings remain, and the former chief military lawyer called for the destruction of all buildings in Gaza. Repeated indications from those at the top for the population to be driven entirely out of Gaza. Now, yesterday, the Jabalia refugee camp was bombed with countless innocent people killed. Let's just see the aftermath. What you are watching are live pictures coming from our Al Jazeera correspondent camera crew in Jabalia refugee camp in central Gaza City. Anas Sharif there, our correspondent, describing the scene to us as uh, Israeli uh, bombs and all missiles hit uh, a very heavily densely populated area. Now let's just hear what an Israeli Defence Force spokesperson had to say. But you know that there are a lot of refugees, a lot of innocent civilians, men, women and children in that refugee camp as well, right? This is the tragedy of war, Wolf. I mean, we, as you know, we've been saying for days, move south. Civilians that are not involved with Hamas, please move south. Yeah, I'm just uh, trying to get a little we, bit more information. Uh, you knew there were civilians there. You knew there were refugees, all sorts of refugees. There's no sense there in any meaningful way they're trying to avoid the killing of innocent civilians. None at all. The distinction being made between Hamas and Israel is that Hamas tries to kill civilians and Israel doesn't. Well, it's interesting that both deny that they seek to kill civilians. So it's actions we need to judge them by, not words. Israel has dropped 18,000 tonnes of bombs in Gaza, one and a half times more than the bomb dropped in terms of firepower on Hiroshima, on a tiny strip of land the size of East London with a population of 2.2 million. There is no sense whatsoever in any meaningful way in their deeds or their words, and they have said they are focused on damage and accuracy. There is no sense whatsoever they are trying to avoid civilian deaths. You cannot then make this distinction because the, the behavior and the words of Israeli leaders does not lend any sense whatsoever they are trying to avoid civilian deaths and thus they are responsible for those civilian deaths. These are war crimes. Now look, 8,796 people as I, as I speak are reported to be dead in Gaza, including 3,648 children in three and a half weeks. Now people go, oh, well, these are stats from the health run, um, the Hamas run health ministry. Their lies. But their statistics in previous rounds of violence always proved accurate and they are validated by aid workers and others on the ground. Now, as Iraq Body Count notes, who did the work looking at how many died in Iraq, adjusting for population size, the death toll in Gaza is 10 times greater than that of the same time period in the Iraq war. Let me refer to now to Bosnia, a three year war, 1992 to 1995. An estimated 38,246 civilians were killed in that three-year war, as well as an estimated 57,694 soldiers and a further 5,100 killed whose ethnicity and status was undetermined. The pre-war population of Bosnia was 4.5 million, so twice that of Gaza. Now, the percentage of civilians so far killed in less than a month in Gaza is fast approaching half of the total killed in Bosnia over three years. 
If you were to conclude all deaths in those three years, soldiers and civilians, which makes no real sense, but let's just do it anyway. Um, that would mean that, um, for example, 100,000. That would mean 100,000 Bosnians or so died in that war, which would be around 50,000 total death toll in Gaza. At the current killing rate, that total will be reached in a few months. Now, the Bosnian Serb nationalist leaders were rightly condemned as the main perpetrators of these horrors in the Bosnian war. They weren't solely responsible, but they were damned for genocide. But did the Bosnian Serbs not have genuine grievances? They too suffered genocide in World War II. The genocide of the Serbs, led by the Ustashi, the Croatian collaborators with the Nazis, who were so gruesome that even the Nazis thought they were too much. The Croatian regime during the Balkan Wars was led by President Tudjman, who actually oversaw the biggest act of ethnic cleansing in the entire Balkan conflict at the time. The ethnic cleansing of Serbs from the Kraina Valley, where he boasted they didn't even have time to pack their toothbrushes. In the Bosnian War, thousands of Serb civilians were killed. The first big massacre in the Bosnian War was against Bosnian Serbs. And, and these, were, these were hideous crimes often. I was reading through some of the crimes committed against Bosnian Serb civilians. The sorts of crimes Hamas stand accused of, including the sadistic torture and murder of children and women. Now, they feared being subsumed by a Muslim state, and they believed only an ethno-nationalist state of Bosnian Serbs could protect them. That's the basis of how they fought. Who uses any of this to justify what the Bosnian Serb armies did? So yes, look, I don't use genocide casually, but there is a risk here, a very real risk, clearly in terms of what is happening. I mean, many would simply say that this is genocide, uh, not least given the talk of ethnically cleansing Gaza using these murderous means. So, time to listen very carefully, and also we have to be aware of media complicity because if we look at these past genocides, the role of the media was always critical in generating consent and complicity for the wider public in what happened. Please like and subscribe. Do support us on patreon.com forward slash to keep the show on the road. And I'll speak to you soon. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.